The following is a paid program on the VOCM Big Land FM radio network. This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, licensed insolvency trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO on VOCM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, we're one-on-one with Deputy Premier and Finance Minister Siobhan Cody. We're going to be discussing the recent provincial budget, the province's economy, and what's ahead for our province, because as Budget 2022 forecasts, change is in the air. So before we get into the specifics, Minister Cody, I know you're really busy and I really want to thank you for for joining us today. We have so much to get to. But before we actually get into everything, uh, you know, this budget's been described as a better news budget and a status quo budget. How would you respond to this? Well, certainly, this the budget set out a, a really strong program for uh, development of the economy in Newfoundland and Labrador, as well as addressing the cost of living concerns that people have. It was a, and we are also laid out a very strong plan for uh, returning to a surplus, and that's really important, I think, for the people of the province because, of course, right now every year we're borrowing from our grandchildren and our children um, to pay for our services this year. So I know that the people of the province don't want to do that. They want to bring it back down to um, uh, to surplus and then, of course, starting to pay on our debt. So we give a stronger, so we give a stronger Newfoundland and Labrador to our kids and our, and our grandkids. So this budget was well received overall. Um, you know, I can tell you that the bond rating agencies and the banks basically thought it was a step in the right direction. You know, you heard things like from CIBCs, you know, we're seeing a, a quicker recovery in the financial, in the fiscal position than, we're, than, than they were expecting. BDO, uh, uh, BMO, I should say, said um, they enjoy, you know, with, that we're enjoying a more favorable fiscal fortune. <clears throat> Excuse me, the Canadian manufacturers and exporters thought it was a big win for the manufacturers and exporters, and that's a good thing. Um, NAEP, President Jerry Earl even called the budget a relief for those who were fearful of job cuts because, of course, we're making good progress in our in our society and sorry in our economy so I think overall the the banks the um, bond rating agencies the community at large all felt that this was a, a strong budget and uh, a step in the right direction as, as I've said that has been quoted so that's a that's a positive thing Nancy if I could say that the whole idea and the goal of this budget is for a stronger, smarter, self-sufficient, sustainable Newfoundland and Labrador. And that's what we all want um, in this province. <clears throat> so I think what we're seeing is we have a plan and a direction and we're making progress on that towards that stronger, smarter, self-sufficient, sustainable Newfoundland and Labrador. Yeah, absolutely. And you, know, you mentioned that, that you have the deficit reduction plan. It's a multi-year plan. So let's talk a little bit about that fiscal plan and the numbers that were presented. So the projected deficit for this year is $351 million. That's down significantly from two years ago, right? In 2020, it was predicted deficit of $2.1 billion. The provincial deficit for just one uh, year into 2021-2022 fiscal year came in at $400 million, which is less than half of initial projections. 
Congress. So borrowing is up this year over last. Government expects to borrow $2.7 billion, up from $1.7 billion last year, and nearing the $3 billion borrowed in 2020. And government is still projecting a return to surplus in 26-27. So, you know, we know that our province really has long struggled with staggering debts and, and deficit, but these numbers are really more positive. So let's talk about that a little bit. What can you tell us about how we got to uh, this positive standpoint and why you're so bullish, I guess, on our economy going forward? Well, certainly when I became finance minister 18 months ago, and as a short 18 months is my third budget in that in that period of time, as you pointed out, in in that year, we were going to be $1.8 billion in deficit. That means more spending in one year than we had revenue. So, you know, for the people of the province, that's a, that's a big, a uh, big number. And, um, you know, again, it would have to be borrowed from our children, our grandchildren. So that 1.8 billion, we were able to bring that down that year. And l- last year in 2021, 22, we were able to bring the, we, we thought the deficit would be about 826 million. We brought it down to 400 million. How we did that was, you know, we're seeing a, a strengthening and a growth in our economy. And we're also being really fiscally strong and making sure, for example, that we're holding the line on expenditures. We have had additional expenditures in health and in education. I think the people of the province really need and, you know, really said that they wanted some additional supports in health and education, and therefore we've been able to, 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 give, to give those additional supports in those areas. But in a general sense, government as a whole has held the line on expenditure increase. Um, but we, we're seeing a stronger economy, and that's giving us more revenue, and that's helping us bring down our deficit. So, um, you know, the one thing I wanted to note is is we're seeing the price of oil these days is up over 100. We're anticipating the price of oil to be about 86 million, uh, sorry, $86 a barrel this year. That's on average. So that means the price of oil is expected or has been expected to, to decline. Um, if you have to go back about we're, because we're also having uh, lower than anticipated production, we have Hibernia and Hebron coming offline, Our, the, the value of the royalties that we'll receive from offshore oil and gas is lower this year at about $800 million, still a significant amount of money. But if you go back a, a decade ago, the amount of royalties we were receiving offshore was about $1.8 billion dollars. And so we're a billion dollars less than the royalties we're receiving a a decade ago, and we still have roughly the same uh, amount of deficit. So what I'm pointing out is we've diversified our economy, and that's helping with some new revenues coming into the province. So overall, it has been a combination of really strong fiscal management as well as a growing and improved um, economic indicators. No, absolutely. I mean, it certainly is a more diversified economy today than we had a decade ago. And the government's always continually year after year trying to make strides to make sure that that happens. And you talked a little bit about uh, the surplus. And so is balancing the books by 2026 still achievable? Will we return to surplus by then? We're certainly working towards that goal. We want to return to surplus. And the reason why we want to return to surplus is, as I said a few moments ago, right now we're, we're borrowing from our children or grandchildren to pay today's bills. So we have 
not that that's what a deficit is. We're borrowing to pay the bills. We also have a seventeen billion dollar debt. So not only do we have the deficit every year and that makes our debt grow, but we also have this huge debt spread out amongst only 525,000 of us. So our, our debt is significant. So what we're trying to achieve really is that strong fiscal and debt management so that we pay down our deficit so we no longer have a deficit, meaning we're no longer adding to our debt for our, you know, our day-to-day bills. And then we can start paying down our debt. And that'll really help us to become that more sustainable and self-sufficient province that I talked about earlier as well. So, yes, it is our anticipation and our goal, and that's what we're working to to achieve. By 2526, we'll be about roughly $74 million in deficit, so really reasonable. And then the next year, turning it, that into a surplus. And that'll free up money then that we'll be able to reinvest in our economy and in the goods and services that people need in the province. And everyone wants that, right? Everyone is looking forward to getting back to a surplus for sure. And so seeing steps to do that and seeing that it could actually be possible in the next five years is is great to see. If I may, Nancy, it is going to take a concerted effort by all of us. And that's why you'll see in the budget we talk about um, the modernization and transformation of government on how we deliver goods and services. That's why you'll see that we're really uh, focused on ensuring that we you know, we're, we're managing the way we're spending money for, on behalf of the people of the province and not overspending in any way, shape, or form. That's why we're making very strategic investments in health and education. So we're being really responsible and prudent in what we're doing. And that's how you, you manage your own household income, right? You make sure that what you, you, you make sure you're spending it on the right things at the right times and, uh, and, and making sure that you, you Stretch your money as far as you can. And that's what the province is doing as well. But it's taking a concerted effort by all of us in the province to modernize, to improve how we deliver services, and also to make sure that we're being as responsible in our expenditures as possible. No, absolutely. And you're right. We're all in this together, right? It, it's not just all on um, the shoulders of the government to make sure this happens. You need to have the cooperation of the other uh, political parties, of you know, businesses in the community, people in the community for us to get there. And you mentioned at the top of the show, Minister, that the budget does offer some cost of living relief for Newfoundlanders and Labradorians. So I want to talk about that when we come back. Please stay with us. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guest today is Deputy Premier and Finance Minister Siobhan Cody. Minister Cody, we know that there's been many households in our province and and right across the country, really, that are struggling financially. And we're still recovering from the pandemic. And now we're facing soaring inflation. Interest rates are rising, will likely continue to rise as we get through 2022. And in your budget, you address that Newfoundland and Labradorians, your government has chosen to support you to invest in health, education, and the economy. You also said the plan for this fiscal year is built on helping families with the cost of living, ensuring a healthy, educated, and growing population, building stronger communities, and investing in infrastructure and roads 
codes, which contributes to our pride of place, addressing climate change and encouraging economic growth and job creation. So let's talk about the measures outlined in the budget that you say will put money back in people's pockets and why government chose to focus on these areas of cost of living relief. Certainly. We we all recognize the cost of living has been increasing and it's been very, very challenging. But it's not just in this province. It's across the country and around the world. And But we wanted to really focus on trying to help people um, to uh, understand, to understand that, you know, how, not just food is increased, gas is increased, everything is increased. So how can we put money back into people's pockets? And that's why we've done a kind of a, I'm going to call it a, uh, three tiers. The first, we addressed those that are most vulnerable, and we did that right before the budget with a 10% increase in the income supplement, a 10% increase in the seniors' benefit. And this impacts well over 160,000 Newfoundlanders and Labradorians. So if you, uh, you know, if, if, if you were, if you have received the income supplement or received the seniors' benefit, then you got a, a 10% increase. We also gave a, a, an increase, a stipend for those that receive income support, $400 for their families or $200 if you're single, just to help with that cost of living. We also provided then for all of us in the province a 50% reduction in the cost of registering your vehicle because we know how expensive it is today to operate and to uh, to have a vehicle. So we gave that. That's roughly about $90 uh, for people who have vehicles. And we took, uh, we took away the... Uh, retail sales tax on home insurance. So if you if you insure your home or if you're a tenant and insure your apartment, the goods the goods in your apartment, that was 15% off the cost of that as well. So we're trying to put money back in people's pocket, but there are other things too. Like in St. John's Mount Pearl Paradise, um, we had the at the bus passes. So if you were on if you were on income support or receiving the seniors benefit, you received free bus passes, for example. So to really trying to put that money back into people's pockets, and that's in addition to. Um, providing childcare at $10 a day. If you go back, and I only said, I said I was Minister of Finance for the past 18 months. When we started in 18 months ago in, the, in our first budget, we reduced the cost of childcare from a, you know approximately $35 a day down to $25 a day. Now we're moving down to $10 a day. And that's roughly, and I'm, I'm saying this approximately, about $6,300 per child in childcare. So really, trying to make it more affordable for young families. And these are the types of things that we're doing to really help make make the cost of living more bearable here in Newfoundland and Labrador. And Nancy, you also know that we are making sure that uh, the electricity rates do not double because of Muskrat Falls, and we've made an arrangement with the federal government worth about $5.2 billion, and that's keeping the, our, our electricity rates uh, really, really low, sorry, low and more competitive in Atlantic Canada, and that's worth about $2,400 um, per household that receives electricity on average. So really working on how do we provide relief to the people of the province uh, on, on, you know, 
on this rising cost of living. And this is equivalent. That works out to be about $142 million. And we collect in provincial gas tax $141 million. So it's roughly the equivalent of us removing the gas tax from the price of, uh, from the price of fuel. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that because that was going to be my next question. And I love all that you said about um, about those putting the money back in people's pockets. But I think the childcare one stands out to me especially because I see it so often in my practice how young mothers, single mothers, and even families struggle with the cost of childcare and fitting that into their, their monthly budget. It is a huge cost for them. And sometimes people feel like they're going to spend what they're making in order to afford childcare. So it's a, it has been a hindrance for even getting women back in the workforce. So I think that's absolutely fantastic. But there are some who are questioning why government didn't provide relief to reducing the gas tax. So is it because we were giving these other things, Minister Cody, that we couldn't then make that reduction in the gas tax? What would be your response on that? Uh, not particularly. The gas tax, the provincial gas tax is 14.5 cents per liter. And it, that's about middle of the road in Canada. So there are some provinces that have higher gas taxes, and there there are a couple that have lower gas taxes. But it, as you as you know, the federal government has made carbon tax it, 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 as part of its climate change plan, and they implemented a carbon tax back a number of years ago. The federal government. We made an arrangement with the federal government that they wouldn't, it would not impose carbon tax on things like our home heat, uh, oil heat. They wouldn't impose carbon tax on fisheries, forestry, some construction, uh, exploration, uh, those types of things. As long as we kept our our, our gas tax neutral, meaning we don't incre- we don't decrease it. Because the the price point on on the carbon tax was such as this is the thing, this is the policy of the federal government to to address climate change. So if I change the provincial gas tax specifically, lower it by you know five cents or whatever you know whatever amount, the federal government would come in and impose carbon tax then on oil heat on fisheries, forestry, agriculture, and so on and so forth. So we've, we've been creative in saying, we'll give, we want to give you back the entire amount of the provincial gas tax, but we're not, we, it's not lowered at the pump. It's given back to you in the form of, of cash. So that's why we were able to increase the income supplement, the seniors' benefit, uh, provide a, a complete reduction of the, of the retail sales tax on, uh, on uh, um, home insurance and a 50% reduction on the price of, um, of registering your vehicle. It's the equivalent of the provincial gas tax. So uh, we don't want to have the you know the the consequence of having the federal government come in with the you know with the carbon tax and cut tax and apply it to home to uh, oil heat or to fisheries or to forestry or to agriculture. So that's that that's why we've chosen to do it the other way. Yeah, that's important for people to know. And it is great, right, that people are seeing cash in their pocket. That is far more meaningful, right, because they need the cash in their pocket to make their their monthly budget work in many cases. 
Well, so if, one, I had, if, if I had done, if I removed the provincial uh, gas tax at the pump, in one week that would have been offset by the increases. So you would, you would see it disappear within one week. So I think it was important to give money back to people, you know, in, in various ways. Absolutely. And one of the budget highlights this year, significantly lower deficit for 21-22 than originally forecast. $400 million instead of $826 million, and due to increased revenues. So why the reduced deficit was welcome news, there are those who believe the budget could have included more relief regarding the province's personal and corporate tax rates. So that may be some other increased revenues the province saw could have been allocated to this. What would you say about that? Well, certainly, while we saw an improvement in our uh, revenues last year, and that was significantly around mining, um, the mining tax and improved um, corporate tax. Lowering your overall tax rate on personal and corporate has a long-term effect. But we had seen this increased revenues probably due to the fact that we had a stronger commodity market in the mining area. So it's, it's, it, we felt it was more important for us to continue to address our deficit money that we're borrowing just to pay our bills this year than to, to reduce our personal or our corporate taxes at this time. Certainly, as we move forward, we're going to continuing to monitor and look at those taxes because, you know, over time it would be of benefit to lower those taxes, certainly. But we do have to pay for the, co- you know, the cost of, of services here in the province. We've, we've increased, for example, by $400 million over the last couple of years, the, the requirement for health. There's a, you know, the, as you know, the, the cost of providing services in the health, the health area is increasing, and we had to provide additional supports and money for education. We have a 1,000 more kids in school this year than we had uh, last year, and that, that is a huge difference, a huge change. It's the first time since 1972 that occurred, so we have to be able to provide the uh, supports and services uh, to ensure that we have that uh, stronger, smarter educated population that we all we all want so you know while it would be it would be welcome to have lower taxation on personal and corporate it's certainly the time is not now to do that but we will look to that into the future and you're right it is welcome to hear that there were so many more students entering school right it's I love to hear that that population is increasing. We have more uh, kids growing up in Newfoundland and Labrador. And you're right, healthcare has always been and will continue to be a huge cost for the province, right? We also have an aging population. So healthcare is always front and center when it comes to the budget. And, and this one really was no different. But when it comes to healthcare, there are some big changes coming. So we're going to talk about that when we come back. Please stay with us. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money. I'm your host, Nancy Smitten, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Joining me today is Deputy Premier and Finance, Finance Minister Siobhan Cody. We're talking about the recent budget, and one of the biggest highlights pertains to health care spending. Minister Cody, your budget allocates $3.4 billion to health, representing a 38% of the budget. This, of course, will allow the amalgamation of the four regional health authorities into one, which is a key recommendation of the Health Accord and the Premier's Economic Recovery Team report last year. So let's talk about that. The changes we can expect to see 
how long will they take, and, and what does it mean for those employed in the sector? Will we see job or service cuts? No, what we're what we're trying to do, and this is I think is very very important for um, around the health accord. Of course, um, the health accord was put in place last year. The uh, Dr. Part, Pat Parfrey and Sister Elizabeth Davis led a stellar team who went across the province, spoke to many 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 stakeholders and individuals about how to improve the healthcare system. They came forward with a very important report. Um, month or so ago and now what you're seeing in this budget is the signal to you know for the implementation of that and one of the things of course they recommended is one provincial health authority and what we're trying to achieve here is consistency and collaboration across the province that's very very important so it'll help with improved decision making uh, on streamlined processes it'll help with you know data management with accountability uh, to to make sure that we have that um, one view of how we deliver health across the province. But there's going to be significant engagement with communities and uh, with stakeholders and at the local level to make this happen. It's not about it's it's not about any. Uh, as I think you said, if there's going to be any job cuts, we're not seeing that. What we're seeing is improved decision making processes so that we have that consistency across the province. Just to give you an example. Right now, with the four health authorities, they would each each individual health authority would go out and try and recruit for nurses, for doctors, and they would literally be competing against each other to try and um, and and you know attract attract nurses or or doctors to their region. Wouldn't it be better to take a more holistic approach for the entire province and put the resources where they're required? And so um, that's what we're talking about here, and that's what Sister Elizabeth and and Dr. Pat Parfrey brought forward was that kind of one health authority for that collaboration, consistency across the province. Yeah, and collaboration and, and realizing on synergies to help each other and, and, and make a better healthcare system for the province versus on siloed regional approaches. I think that will work out for everyone. And they and, made a, a big recommendation around um, ambulance and air ambulance services as well. And you know, how, do, how do we improve uh, the, the movement of patients from their own local hospital if they need to come into the tertiary care hospital? Uh, if, if they're in their communities, in a community center, how do they, how do they, how do we transport them? So those are other important uh, processes that we have to refine and improve. And uh, and we signaled in this year's budget that we're, you know, we're starting to implement the priorities of the health accord and uh, starting to to modernize and integrate the air and road ambulance services, for example. And you know, we really need to reduce duplication, modernize, improve the way we're we're doing things so that it's better for it's better for the patient, it's better for the system overall, and it, it improves our health care. And that's, that's, the, that's the critical thing is how do we improve our health care system? Oh, absolutely. And to your point, you, your budget did include funding for the modernization and integration of the air and road ambulance, as well as the growth of virtual emergency services. So when you look at where that funding is being allocated, should the residents in our rural communities be concerned at all? I, I don't know why they would be concerned. We're making additional investments to ensure that they that they 
they are provided the service that they require. So we're listening to um, the you know, the health accord, who again did a really a strong amount of communication and listening across the province as to how to improve our health care system. We've put additional money, as you said, uh, it's approximately $400 million more into our health care system over the last couple of years to make the service changes that are required. So I would say that we're looking for an improved system, uh, and, and that should be welcome news for the people of the province. Absolutely. Now, when we look at the Faculty of Medicine, the budget created some bugs around the creation of a more integrated medicine faculty at, at Mon. But some of that buzz was focused more due to the university officials saying that they were blindsided by the announcement of the merger. What's your response to this? And, and what can you share about the changes that are coming and, and how our province and residents are going to benefit from those? Well, I think this is an important question. Uh, I, I, I did hear the president of the university um, speak about that concern, but I can say that the university was an integral part of the health accord and an integral part of some of the conversations around that. And I know that the Department of Education had been communicating with people within the Moral University. So I think I, that putting that aside, I think that everyone would want to have that kind of collaborative approach to making sure we have a comprehensive health faculty at Memorial University. That's what we're talking about, so that we can have cross-functional knowledge and support, and uh, you know, looking at what the uh, but you know the health court has said on how we can integrate and improve the the system that we currently have, and that's what we're trying to achieve here. So um, they, you know, the health court specifically recommended promoting a more focused approach to collaborative governance of the health sciences faculties and schools. So I'm sure Memorial, uh, you know, had been involved in that and would have been thinking about that. Uh, That includes nursing and pharmacy and medicine, uh, possibly even social work and, and others, so that we have that kind of collaboration and cross uh, and and cross faculty uh, inter- interaction and i think that's going to be important in improving we all want that you know kind of stronger uh, stronger healthcare system and this will help us uh, to deliver on that Absolutely. And $3 million to increase the number of seats in the nursing program by 25% is not insignificant, right? And I'm sure it'll be welcome news um, to the nursing um, profession and and to the people of the province, because we're often hearing about shortages in nursing. And I think not just here in our province, but it seems to be uh, a national issue as well. I think the idea of the nursing schools being in Gander and Grand Falls and the West Coast and, you know, all around kind of we're spreading it out so that people can stay in their in their local environments and increasing by 72 nurses, as you said, is significant. And again, it speaks to how we're strengthening our health system. So I think everyone in the province wants a strengthened system. And this is one of this is just one of the many ways that we're going about that. And you mentioned already the collaborative clinic care clinics for example all of that is is improving and uh, and grow and it, it, I guess improving access and, and growing abilities uh, within our health care uh, within our health care system very important yeah. to us all it is super important and we know 
The another big piece of the budget where we often have large expenditures is in our education system. But we also talked about uh, in the last segment that we're seeing an increase in school enrollment for the first time since 1972. So let's talk a little bit about that funding and how it's being allocated and the reasons for it, because it really is good news. Certainly. So we've had to put more money towards what I want to call the teaching services budget. That's for substitute teachers and the guidance counselors and and other supports that are required for for this increased enrollment. Um, We're also reviewing, as uh, people of the province may know, there's an ongoing review of class sizes and teacher allocations. We've also put some money towards... um, uh, towards some new schools, so we're doing some pre, uh, I think some pre-feasibility now uh, work on uh, schools in, for example, Cartwright and um, and uh, Kenmount Terrace in uh, Portugal Cove St. Phillips. So, so they're you know looking at some infrastructure requirements as well. And as you well know, as we've talked about, we've also invested for new regulated spaces and launch of a pre-kindergarten pilot, uh, and of course, the creating of new childcare spaces um, so that we have more more children who have childcare services as well as uh, moving then to the regulated spaces as well as the uh, pre-kindergarten. So big investments in education. Uh, it all goes back to what's our goal. Our goal is a stronger, smarter, self-sufficient, sustainable Newfoundland and Labrador. And so um, all of the things that we talked about in the bud- budget move towards that goal. Uh, and, you know, you've also got $4 million to maintain guidance counselors and, and administrative positions, which, you know, kids today are growing up in a world of social media, and I think those roles have never been more important. So I think that was fabulous to see as well. Well, the budget also includes investment that will spur economic growth, business development, and job creation in our province. So we're going to talk more about that when we come back. Please stay with us. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Happy to say my guest today is Deputy Premier and Finance Minister Siobhan Cody. We've been talking about the budget today and we've discussed the financials and the government initiatives to support Newfoundlanders and Labradorians in offsetting the rise in cost of living and investments to healthcare and of course education. But Minister Cody, I want to move now to the investments that will spur economic growth, business development and of course job creation. And certainly job creation is important here at home. Our province continues to lead the country when it comes to unemployment. The current unemployment rate here in Newfoundland is 12.9%, and that's more than double the national figure of 5.3%. So what can you tell us about the job creation in the budget, and how are we trying to address that large unemployment rate that we're seeing here in Newfoundland? Well, certainly the, it's important to note that our em, employment rate, there's more people that are employed. Uh, we're back to uh, roughly back to pre uh, to the pre-pandemic times, which is a really uh, positive sign. That's why we're seeing some growth in our economy where our retail sales are growing, our housing sales are strong, uh, employment numbers are up. So you're starting, you're seeing this now throughout the economy. But there is a number of investments in the budget that will help grow the economy as well. You mentioned there's a almost $600 million, $567 million in infrastructure projects, for example. 
and that's going to create about 3,200 jobs and $390 million in economic activity. So that's uh, that, that. those are big investments to help stimulate the economy. We put an extra $10 million on top of the existing uh, $151 million that we invest, for example, in highway infrastructure uh, and transportation networks. So we're seeing those types of things uh, trickle through the economy. But, you know, when you look overall at our economy, we're, we have um, monies available to stimulate uh, both growth in technology, growth in the green economy. Um, there's uh, growth in oil um, development this year. As you know, we've just uh, uh, Terra Nova will be coming back on back online uh, later this year. You're, you've heard about Equinor's investment in Beta Nord. You're seeing some uh, exploration happening, and in the mining industry, mining is doing extremely well, and uh, we're going to have one of the biggest years. I think it was a record year last year on mineral exploration, and we're hopeful for another record year this year. So big investments uh, in our uh, in our economy, and I think it's all flowing through to see that stronger employment. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's been a crazy two years, right? Things have been so up and down for the pandemic. And if we think back to the beginning of the pandemic and where we sat as a province, right? Premier Ball writing that letter that said we've run out of time and, and the situation is dire. We've come so far since then. Right. And you mentioned when you uh, gave your budget on budget day that we have weathered this storm. We may have been lashed by it, but the day has arisen with brighter skies and calmer seas. The fog is lifting. So talk a little bit about this statement and your message to Newfoundlanders and Labradorians. Well, certainly, uh, you know, uh, Newfoundlanders and Labradorians are very resilient. We're tenacious. We're strong, and uh, we do weather a lot of storms. And uh, and that was the reference when I wrote that. It was it was a, a reference of of how stormy the seas have been, but we are coming to a better time. And uh, of course, I, I do recognize what the impact of the of the situation in Ukraine is having, and, and emerging from the pre- the pandemic as well, is having on the cost of living. That has been very, very difficult. But we are starting to see, as I said, the fog lifting. Matter of fact, the Royal Bank of Canada, I think, even even acknowledged that they're starting to see the fog lift in Newfoundland and Labrador. And and you know, it, we're we're in a better financial situation than they ha- than we have been. Um, I will say that the message that I would put, I would say to Newfoundlanders and Labradorians is there's strength in our economy. We're, we're, we're coming out of, of the pandemic. Our employment numbers are good. Our retail sale numbers are strong. Uh, food sales are, are strong. Um, Overall, we're you know we're starting to we weathered that storm. Yes, we have the situation with the cost of living because of of what's happening globally, but uh, you know we're helping to address that with the, the 142 million dollars that I just spoke about in the last segment. But the big thing here is really keeping focused on. How do we help the people of the province provide the right services and and ensure that we're focused on what we all want to achieve? And, um, you know, if, if, I, if I look at making sure that financially that we're really responsible, we've done things like 
um, you know, even behind the scenes things like trying to bring down our cost of debt. Nancy, we spend about a billion dollars, one billion dollars a year just servicing the cost of debt in the province. Imagine if we can bring that down lower. And that's why we've developed a strategic plan here in the Department of Finance. It's a three, it's a three pronged approach on strong financial management and fiscal governance, as well as strong debt management and things like the modernization and improvement and transformation of how we deliver services is important, the determined control of spending, uh, you know, the the balanced budget legislation that I that I talked about. We strengthen the office of the um, uh, of the. Uh, uh, Auditor General. And on debt management, we've made some changes to our sinking funds, for example. We've made some changes to uh, how we borrow money, the the way we borrow money. And, and all that, I think, it enhances our liquidity position as well as, 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 you know, make sure that we're very strong financially. All of those things go towards making sure that Newfoundlanders and Labradorians have the right mix of services, the right at the right price to help them, um, you know, in the years ahead. So, again, going towards that stronger, smarter, self-sufficient, sustainable Newfoundland and Labrador. So if there's one thing that I would say is we're very, very focused on financial management and debt management, which helps us to free up funds to invest in other in services and, um, and investments in our province to grow our economy. All of that's important to get to that goal that we all have. Absolutely. And I mean, people can even look at it from their own personal situation, right? You pay down your debt, you pay less interest. It's more uh, cash flow in your monthly budget. So it is very, very important. Well, Minister, it's been great to have you on the show today. We do have some time now for some final thoughts. So if you could share a final thought with our listeners today, what would it be? Well, I, I, I really believe that this budget is about balance and it's about choice. And we've, you know, your government has really chosen to support you to invest in health and education and the economy and to uh, help with the cost of electricity. It's chosen families, for example, because, you know, with low cost uh, childcare and junior kindergarten. We've lowered taxes, we've lowered uh, fees uh, to help ends meet, and we've supported the most vulnerable and our seniors. And so we've really, we've really tried in this budget to find that balance, that fiscal responsibility, support, and while supporting families and uh, and uh, and then addressing the cost of living. So we want we want everyone to to uh, to understand that the goal here is, a, as I said repeatedly, that stronger, smarter, self-sufficient, sustainable Newfoundland and Labrador. And this is how we get to those to, to that. But um, the one big thing I will say is uh, we're going to continue to help where we can on the cost of living. We've made these measures. If we can, in the uh, weeks and months ahead, continue to support people in, because, of, you know, because of this, if, if the cost of living concerns continue, the ways, we're going to find ways of continuing to help people because that's what's important right now is supporting, uh, supporting people as we, uh, as we weather this storm um, that, that, is, that, is, that we're seeing you know, across the country and around the world. Um, but we're a very, you know, we're a very strong people. We, we have a, we, you know, 
we have a uh, we're very tenacious we're very strong and we have a really a good agenda here in the province I think uh, and we're gonna we're gonna deal with the challenges with uh, the best determination and motivation we can we can we all want to succeed and uh, and have that uh, stronger smarter self-sufficient sustainable Newfoundland and Labrador we're gonna we're we're, we're, we're making good strides no, I, I agree, and I love that. Stronger, smarter, more self-sufficient with Atlanta and Labrador being the goal of the, the government. I think that uh, that's what everyone wants, right? Everyone wants to see the people of Newfoundland and Labrador succeed and, and, and the province to be more self-sufficient. It's been fabulous having you on the show today. I always appreciate you taking the time on your busy schedule to come and talk to our listeners. Uh, so thanks so much for joining me today. Happy to be here, and, and, and uh, we're... we're we're, we're, we're stronger together, no doubt. Thanks again. Absolutely. Thank you. So I always want to hear from you, our listeners, as well. If you have a comment or question or maybe a topic that you'd like me to discuss here on Your Money, you can email me at yourmoney@video.ca or give me a call at 800-563-8337. Until next week, I'm Nancy Snedden. Stay safe and be well, everyone. If you have a question or comment for your money, send an email to yourmoney@bdo.ca. This has been Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustees on VOCM. The proceeding was a paid program on the VOCM Big Land FM radio network.